You're listening to Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. Hola, ¿cómo estás? Estoy bien, ¿y tú? What's up? Welcome to Filmmakers <laughs> Drinking Bourbon. I'm Alex. And I'm Frank. And I'm Brad. And we're filmmakers. And we're drinking brandy. Yeah, bourbon product, I, I guess. Bourbon related. Cheers. Oh, Brad, what's the bottle say? What is this? It is the Christian Brothers Brandy. Yeah, very I'm, smooth. Yeah. I've never had brandy, so take, I'm take, excited. Take a big old sip. Tell me what you think. Take a smell. It smells like those wrapped caramels. Wrapped? The wrapped, the, the little caramel piece, that, square oh. cubes. That old people eat? Like yeah. the Werther's? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Werther's original brandy. <laughs> What do you think? It's good. Yeah, I like yeah. it. So, oh, what's it say? Since 1882, the Christian Brothers. Dates back to the 1800s as one of the oldest best-selling American spirits. The time-honored copper pot still production method creates a full-bodied taste and rich flavor enhanced by aging in hand-selected oak bourbon barrels for unequaled smoothness. I think it's made with grapes or fruit. Really? I think they, yeah, it's like distilled fruit product put in bourbon cross between wine and bourbon something like that yeah Yeah. does it taste like i don't know what it is but i like it it's pretty smooth oh god brad what's up it's been a bit it's been a while it's good to hear your voice i know well welcome thank you how things been good um we're just basically extremely busy during the fall hmm what did we work on in the fall? I don't think so. The listeners might not even know, right? Do they? Did we talk they about should. it? They should. We talked about it a little bit, right? We did. Like how I was out in LA with Brad and we did this big thing in Columbus that released recently. Yep. Yeah. Basically, we just did two music videos for the band Red Sun Rising back to back. First one was out in LA, um, but. Uh, shot that at a really cool location i don't know if you talked about it on the show but yeah it's been on instagram and stuff too yeah yeah just cool white yeah popsicle studios all white led lights on the ceiling super Um, i mean they it was like the bat k or the batman's garage in the dark night it was in what was that scarlett johansson ghost in the shell yeah they they shot a scene there in ghost in the shell probably tron yeah it's been getting a lot of hits yeah. Um, so that was cool, band performance. And then we had the bigger music video that we shot in Columbus uh, for their song Death Wish. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check that out. And that one was a bit of a monster. To say the least. You've seen it, right, Frank? I've seen parts of it. You've seen parts of it? Yeah. And you watched the whole freaking thing. <laughs> Wasn't good enough for Frank to finish yeah, it. Yeah, you started and was like, meh, that's fine. Seen yeah. better. <laughs> I've seen better but Doomsday yeah. videos. But yeah, that one turned out really well. I'm proud of it. Um, Shot on anamorphics for the first time for me. How was that for Uh, you as a director? It was awesome. Yeah, like it was really that monitor and seeing like yeah, yeah. It's like I I don't think I ever want to go back. You can't. I just want to keep testing different types and kind of hone in. As do I. So. Yeah. Cool. What else did we shot on Um, Alexa Alexa Mini. Mini? Classic. Yep. Not the Alexa Classic, just classically shot on the Alexa Mini. Right. Yeah. Shot both on that. 
Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well, no, not both videos. Both days of the Death Wish shoot we did. The first one was uh, actually, uh, what was it? A red epic W. There's too many reds, yeah. but it was a red epic W, and it's owned by Derek Plow. Uh, my the first AC, AC out yeah. in LA. Yeah. So it was his package and well, that was spherical. It wasn't anamorphic, but it was cropped to two, three, five aspect ratio. And yeah. Right. But, um, but yeah, the death yeah. Wish was mini and anamorphic. Yeah. And then for the death wish video, we had uh central scenic in Columbus build a custom set. Um, and then we also shot on location for storyline the second day in a house that was sort of the same location as the band performance. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you... What was the general idea? I guess, what, yeah, what, what's the idea of the video? Like, the kind of vibe? How did you come up with it? Um, basically, the concept was a kind of the last day on Earth. Um, sort of everybody at this house party knows that it's the end of the world. We don't exactly know how or why but they know that at a certain time the world's going to end and everybody's just kind of handling it in their own different ways some people are extremely depressed some people you know handle it with drinking or drugs other people are just kind of living for the moment you know having fun just doing whatever you can um to kind of deal with the apocalypse basically how'd you come up with that um, I don't know how I always come up with it. I just, uh, you know, I listen to the song over and over and over and just kind of see, you know, listen to the words and see what kind of motivation hits me. Is the band giving you any kind of direction on that? Uh, usually no. Like I would say 90% of the time I just write the concept myself and then you just turn it into the record label and you know, they either get back to you and you're doing the video or that you just never hear from them again, Yeah, which is always annoying. But um, in this case, it was really weird because I know the band really well. I talked about on the show the last time I was here, I toured with them in Europe. Yep. So they're good friends of mine now. And That's... I was actually with them as they were writing and recording the album. So I heard the song, you know, in its infancy. Um, and it was really weird because they had a strong concept in mind, but they didn't tell me because they wanted, you know, respecting what I bring to the table creatively. They wanted just to know what my ideas were. And when I sent them the treatment, it was like, you know, I had a very specific treatment with all these different characters and ideas, but the basic concept was the same exact concept that they had in mind. Wow. Wow. It just jived. Yeah. <clears throat> That's when, crazy. When you're sending them a treatment, Describe your, like, how you are, what do you do in your treatment in? Like, are you doing, like, a full, like, um, Animaniac for that? Or are you just, like, doing, like, a Word doc? Or? Did you um, say Animaniac? <laughs> I, I used to love that show. Do <laughs> yeah. you remember that? Yeah. Animatic. Animatic. Whatever. <laughs> I just, now I'm thinking about Animaniacs. Mm-hmm. God, what uh-huh. a good show. But, yeah. I don't, I probably should have like a very like awesome treatment, like template that's customized. And should. I'd like to do that at some point. It should reflect you as a human being. It should. Awesome. But it doesn't. It's normally pretty boring. It's just like a Word document with my logo, my reel, and then just the concept. But it's but, specific. Right, exactly. It's uh, the way I do it is I break it down 
with the music, like each sort of change in the music, the chorus, everything, everything that's going to happen in the video, I write it, you know, so that they can see how it's going to progress when mm-hmm. things happen. It's like so, to the second. Right. That way they know exactly what's going to happen rather than just like a general concept. They can literally see it as it will progress. So mm-hmm. like in a, a table format with like a time? I'll just like, time yeah, code? I'll just like literally write like the song starts, you know, zero. And then let's say at 21 seconds, there's a shift underneath it. I'll write zero to 21. This is what happens. And then 21 to 47, that kind of thing. And for them visualizing it, are you just like describing it in a few sentences or are you throwing some stock photos on there? Um, I usually don't really do a lot of photos. Um, You know, I probably could. I'm sure a lot of directors do. It probably is helpful for them to visualize. But um, my concern is always that they're going to see the photo, which is just a ballpark thing, and then think that's what it's going to look like. So I... I would rather just rely on my on my reel, let them see the quality of work I do, and then just, you know, you either like the idea or you don't. Yeah. Mm. So does it, does it ever evolve? Like at, you submit a treatment. I know Frank asked the question, but it, you submit a treatment. You said they either like the idea or they, you never hear from them again. Do they ever come back with, that's cool, but what about this? Is there uh, any back and forth? Yeah, it's pretty rare that that happens, but it does happen like, I just got an email yesterday for a music video for a band and I had submitted the treatment like seven weeks ago and I never heard anything back. Mm. And the label just got back to me last night and they said, hey, you know, first of all, sorry for not getting back to you sooner because it's been like forever. But uh, they said the band loves your reel. They want to work with you. Um, But they weren't exactly feeling the treatment. Mm. What if we did something more like this? Cool. And... uh, so, yeah, sometimes that happens, but normally it's just either a hit or a miss. We like it or we don't. Because they it. have plenty of directors to choose from. So, Sure. And I know a lot of people in our Slack group and a lot of probably our listeners want to get into the like are doing a little bit of the music video stuff themselves or want to get in it. Can you describe that process? Are you are they sending you like an RFP or are you just going out and networking with record labels? Um, I should be networking. But I, t- I, I, I'm on Brad all the time about that. I by don't. The way. Yeah, I don't network. Uh, I should have a manager, you which will. maybe I will this year. That'll be something I'll do because it's all just word of mouth. People, labels reaching out to me, bands reaching out to me. Um, but yeah, what was the original question? So they reach out to you. Oh right, yeah. They're they, like, hey, we got a band, yeah. we got a thing. Yeah, it's always an email that comes in. We have this band, this song. Uh, this is what the budget is. It's not like how much will you do this for? Not negotiable. Um, occasionally, like I got a request last week for a, a full live set band performance with like six cameras, and they wanted to know how much that would cost. So okay. that was an example of when I actually gave them a quote. But hmm. almost always, it's them telling you what the budget is, and then maybe you say, you know, hey, can you do? you know, a little bit more, but it's normally just take it or leave it. Are you comfortable talking about any numbers? Um, yeah, I mean, I work mostly, you know, in the rock scene. So it's, you know, it's not like big hip hop videos. Like Taylor or, Swift. Yeah. Yeah. So it's anywhere from like the, 
like Alex and I did one for an independent band and they uh, had like no label support at all and their budget was like $5,000. And so we just shot that. It was literally like just Alex and I. Yeah. It was fun. And we had no lighting. It was just shot on a playground. Yeah. And that was like pretty much as bare bones as it gets. Yeah, five grand. Yeah, you, you have enough to rent a camera, a guy, and find a location. Yeah. And the rest goes to, you know, editing and time spent and all right. that stuff. And so, you know, I don't do a lot of those, but this one was kind of fun because um, it was like a kind of a punk kind of song, and I had never done yeah. like a punk rock kind of video. Um, then on the other end, I would say like 40000 is pretty much the tops that you're going to get for... For a rock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which is kind of funny because I... At one point, I toured with a band called Ten Years, and they had a number one hit in like I think it was two thousand three. Um, and they had they had told me that at that time their budget was one hundred fifty thousand dollars for the video, and I was just like, man, so what what we could do with yeah, that? Yeah, I could make one hundred thirty thousand dollars and make a <laughs> video that was ten times better than the one you had made back then. Yeah. But yeah, so. so I mean, what what would you say is kind of the Goldilocks zone? Like, what for the Death Wish video for uh, the other video? Like, what's enough money that we can do a lot creatively, and that doesn't tax us, but not too much? Um, I feel like fifteen is pretty good. Twenty, yeah, it's pretty good. Somewhere around there, you can definitely start to get pretty creative. Uh, use high quality gear, high quality crew, um, right around there. But I mean, even for like ten thousand, you can still make a solid video. You just have to, you know, be careful where your budget's going. You know, are yeah. you are you doing all the post production yourself? Yeah, yeah, I edit everything myself. Uh, I write the concepts. Up and, until this, uh, well, there's been a few where we've used. Uh, you, you've colored everything up until lately. Right, yeah. We've done. I'm trying to get away from that. I'm really, at Chris. this point, sort of now just relying on colorists to do the work unless I absolutely have to. It's just too much. And sure. And so we've worked with Chris Jekin uh, in town in Cincinnati, and then lately uh, uh, Brian Smaller out in L.A. did the Death Wish video. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did a great job on that one. Crushed it. Yeah, absolutely crushed it. Emmy Award winning colorist. <laughs> yeah, he's fantastic. Um, if anybody's looking for colors, check out Brian Smaller at Company 3. He's good. How'd you get your first music video? Man, we're going back a ways now. Um, first music video was just people that I knew from high school that were in a band. And it was just for free. Shot on HVX 200. Was that the party one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. with... It was for a band called uh, City Lights, um, old Columbus band. Their uh, lead singer is now the bass player in a band called Beartooth. Yeah. Um, so they're big now. Beartooth. Yeah. Big. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was the first one, and then the first paying one was for two hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Shot it in a church, and. That band actually never paid the second half of that budget. <laughs> so you got a hundred bucks. Yeah. 
Isn't that funny? $100 up front, and then, you know, if you do a good job, we'll give you the other $100, which I never got, so. Wow. Was it because it wasn't good enough, or just because No, they just because they, they had the video, and... They're done. They're... There's so many of these, like, bands with, like, no budget. Yeah. And you, like, do, I, you do it for passion. You do it to for a real piece. I know there are a lot of people out there that are doing freebie music videos just to, oh, I did something cool. Look at this. Yeah. Maybe this will lead to a commercial job or whatever, but it's tough. Yeah. Music video scenes, it's, it's only gotten rougher. I, would, I don't know. I would actually, in general, I think that's true. Yeah. But, like, when I started, which was... Like right around that 2009 time frame when the economy completely collapsed. Sure. I have you, n- YouTube killed the video star? Yeah. yeah. I have noticed that budgets have progressively been getting better since then. I think it's because your experience and skill level has risen, though. That's probably true as well. Yeah. But I don't know. I just feel like people aren't quite as stingy huh. as they used to be. That's good. Yeah. Do you, do you recommend for um, – tell me if you agree with me. For like for beginners wanting to get into music videos, would you recommend doing like one maybe Don't like do one, it. <laughs> like one free freebie like in each genre to get a, uh, an idea of the range and then start charging? I mean, I think you have to. I don't know how you're going to get someone to pay you to do something if you don't have any work to show them. Yeah. I mean, if you you know have some kind of other experience or work to show. Um, you know, maybe you worked at an ad agency or something and you were like an editor and you can say, Hey, I edited all these, like maybe then you could charge something, but otherwise I don't know. Hmm. No, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I think I've, I, I started out doing basically freebie music videos just so I had something to show, which yeah. then got me X, which paid, which then got me Y, which paid more. And then you stair step it up and up and up. Yeah. But it all kind of starts from zero. I think you need yeah. to set a limit to yourself. In- inevitably. Yeah, you can't do them all for free. And I eventually had to stop doing the, the kind of low, no budget things just morally. Right. Like you kind of have to at some point, otherwise you get branded. Oh, that's that guy that does them, does right. them for free. But yep. if, if you don't do it to begin with, you're never going to have a launching point. So yeah, you got to build a base. All right. So this red sun rising one, you want to talk more about yeah, the, the Death the Wish set, video. Yeah, the Death Wish video. Since people have probably seen the link that we've shared yeah. with it, you want to get more into what was involved in that video? Yeah, I mean, a lot was involved. It's hard to know day where one. to start. Let's start day, day one. one. We walk, well, not, not even day one, leading up to day one. So of the studio shoot, the set build, Um, what was the communication like with Central Scenic? The build on the actual, uh, I'd call it a dining room or ballroom set. And then um, kind of the differences, like when you, when, you, when we walked on set, uh, there were a few changes. And if you, So start with the initial communication with Scenic and, and getting up to that point. Right. Well, the basic concept of it was that as the band performs, which coincides with the storyline, the world is ending... So the idea was that part of the set would begin to sort of crack open, fall off, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of didn't know how to do that exactly. And as always, we're working on a restricted budget, not because their budget wasn't good, but just because I had an extremely ambitious concept 
you know, any which was day two. Yeah. <laughs> anytime you're shooting two days. Um, um, but yeah, so basically it was just kind of coordinating with them on how do we get the set to break apart the exact points at which it breaks apart and just kind of figuring out how to do that, which I think we actually got really lucky because at one point in the song, like at the exact uh, climax of the song, a big chunk of the set sort of just happens to fall apart exactly when we needed it to. Yeah. And it really shouldn't have worked, but it did. Oh, it's so, it's crazy. But just you can kind of talk about just the nightmare of, you know, the lighting and trying to keep that consistent. And basically the concept with that was that there was a light that was sort of taking over the video, which was the end of the world light. And it progressed from like a flat white all the way to an extreme apocalyptic red at the end mm -hmm. and just trying to keep that consistent. Sure. So what we did, uh, we did everything with LEDs. I had a, a great gaffer, uh, Jake Lyon, who I'd never worked with before, but I brought him on for this video. He was a day player on Haunt, the movie I was shooting at the time. Yep. Um, and we had gotten acquainted, you know, we'd contact, been in contact via uh, Facebook or Instagram or something. Um, and we sat down to lunch one day and I was like, oh, hey, I got, I got this thing coming up with my buddy Brad, uh, my regular gaffers booked. Like, you want to come out and do this thing? And he was like, yeah, sure. That'd be, that'd be fun. What's the, you know, I sent him the treatment and I was like, here's what we're trying to do. We laid down an initial plan. We decided to do it all LED. He brought on some of his uh, homemade LED fixtures that he did with light gear, light ribbon. Um, so we had light mats, basically homemade light mats, uh, a homemade LED space light, like a gem ball thing, um, all controllable wirelessly through wireless DMX. He had a, an app for it. He had a Luminaire app that he could control yeah, everything that wirelessly. that thing was awesome. And that was the key yeah. to the entire shoot. Because what we were able to do was tie all his units, his homemade units, in with Aries sky panels, um, pick a color for everything. So like Brad was saying, it all started pure white. And then as the song progressed, we just set a kind of keyframes. If you're familiar with uh, editing and, and animation and stuff, you set a keyframe. And you go, oh, it start at zero, it's at pure white. And at 350 or whatever the point in the song was, you want that. 100% apocalyptic red it gradually increases over that time period and so wherever we set the fixture I had you know two fixtures behind a window in the built set I had a light for uh, Mike the lead singer's key I had a gem ball in the center of the room for everyone else's kind of fill um, and then another backlight up top everything was kind of tethered together so it all started pure white the chandeliers were their own separate monster, kind of flashing, dimming by themselves. They all always stayed orange. And then the set is breaking apart while all this is happening. Exactly. So it was 16,000 different elements that had yeah. to kind of come together. But the luminaire aspect of it, the wireless aspect, was right. genius. If we didn't have that, we would have been, been a screwed. Pluck. Yeah. yeah. Because even having it, it was still tough to execute. Yeah, we had to fine-tune a bit quite a bit throughout the way but it started zero they literally we were like okay brad calls action white light as they play it gradually increases from white to red to redder to more red to death red to apocalypse red 
Yeah, it's almost, it worked so well that it's almost like I can see some people might not even notice the transition. It's like the... uh, A lot of people think it's done, that it was done in the grade. I've had a lot of uh, comments and questions. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's like the the frog on the stove in the boiling water. Yeah. You you don't know what's happening. But when you look at the end frame of the performance and and the beginning frame and you look at them side by side. It's different, yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. So we had that was our initial base was like the all the augmented light the LEDs went from zero to a hundred. The chandeliers again another separate animal were always orange and warm, but they had their their different characteristic. They had a flashing pattern, which we had two guys manipulating. Yeah, the depending on the beat to each separate part of the song. Yeah, and they started it. 30% and then they went to a flashing 100 to 30 to zero. and then they went to 100 yeah. all full up and then to zero at the end. So there were so many different elements just in the performance section that it was nuts. Yeah, that was well that was not even all of day one. Then we had the like a B, water scene. A B set which was supposed to look like the lead singer with a little girl who played um, the daughter of this crazy lady in it. Um, but um, <laughs> basically, a... it was supposed to look like the basement of the house that we shot on day two was flooding. And we had a little kiddie pool that Shane uh, from Central Scenic like then lowered down yeah. on top of it. Uh, what would you call it? Like a, ce- like a pallet. Yeah, it, it was a, a mock ceiling, a mock yeah. basement ceiling with, uh, what do you call there it? There were cinder blocks. Studs and, yeah. yeah. So anyway, it looked like they were basically up to their neck in water, and that was like the last part of that day, which I think turned out really cool. That was good. Yeah. So that's day that's day one. Day, yeah, I mean, that's part of day one. It doesn't even like we. It's hard to describe what went into it and what we had to do to get day one in the bag. Okay, so my question, Brad, you came up with this concept, but you didn't know how it was going to be executed light-wise. Yeah. And you went to Alex, and you didn't really know either, and you went to the gaffer, who just happened to be available. Exactly. And he didn't... Yeah, he kind of knew. He was like, well, I got it. Here's here's an idea. And then again, (laughs) like, um, when I work with any gaffer, with YD, with whoever, it's a collaborative thing. It's like, here's the idea. Here's the feel. Here's the vibe. Here are my ideas. What can you bring to the table that will help? And he was like, oh, I got homemade LED fixtures, and I got this thing called Luminaire. And we can program it, basically, versus having, like, a dimmer board and whatever. We can do it wirelessly on my iPad and do cues and keyframes. Right. And that's another reason why, as, like, with my producer hat on, it can be tough to budget things because, like you said, like, I don't know how much it's going to cost to make that exact lighting a reality. So yeah. you can quickly get over budget if you're too ambitious and you're there's too many question marks. But at the same time, as a, di- a as a director, if you want to make something great, you have to sort of push for the unknown. Yeah. So. Yeah. Can you explain the 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 kiddie pool thing <laughs> again? Who? What do you want to know about it? As far as a, a, a so you had the, the like the top of the the room built. Well, as a set, yeah. You know, so here's the idea. It was a kiddie pool. It was a what do you think, ten feet? Yeah. Diameter. Yeah. Circle kiddie pool. 
So that, Shane filled it up with water all the yeah, way to the brim. And two walls, two cinder block walls were put in, like basement walls. Yeah. Right? Inside so we were, of the pool. So we're shooting in a corner that is submerged in a kiddie pool. And how do the people get into that then? You sit you in just, the kiddie pool. Yeah, just step right in. Yeah, but they had to lay down, but then position their upper body so it looked like they were standing. So this kiddie pool is deeper than like one foot then? Uh, two. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Like, essentially, the way that we're sitting now in our chairs, except we're on the ground, on the bottom of the kiddie pool, and then the water is up to chest height, and they're kind of being held down their lower bodies with sandbags. Yeah, we had to put sand on them, yeah. And then, what did we use for, the for like, the, the water cage for the camera? Just a fish tank? It was tank. a fish tank. We put the, the <laughs> Alexa Mini with a Koa anamorphic lens on it into a fish t- I'm sorry, central camera. <laughs> Uh, I promise it was safe. It was waterproof. We took care yeah. of your equipment. It worked great, But it though. put it in a fish tank. And we I butted the lens directly up against the fish tank glass so that there was no weird... We I mean, I was fighting reflections, water yeah. splashes, smudges the entire time. And to get the shots that you see in the final video, there were, you know, 90% of the shots or 75% of the other shots were streaky and smudgy right. and unusable yeah watch the, so watch the video after this podcast and it's at the very end the kiddie pool part yeah it's like the last 20 seconds but um yeah so they're they're laying down or sitting down with their feet outstretched in front of them the water's up to their chest and they're faking as if they're standing in a flooded basement okay facing so the, each other the water's like you put something in the water to make it murky no, it's just dark. Yeah. Light. Okay. Absence of light. Okay. Yeah. And we had uh, some people just kind of creating ripples in the water to make it look like, ideally, we so would have... read it. Yeah. yeah. ideally, with a bigger budget, we would have, first of all, been able to see them full body, you know, been able to maybe shoot it at a pool underwater or something like that. But there also would have been some kind of water source, like a broken pipe to show that it's flooding. So it's very abstract. Um but I think I think you get the point when you watch it, and then at the end, um, I guess I won't say what happens, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's I mean it was technically challenging because of the limitations. Yeah. But again, you, you know, absence of light, you hide some things in darkness. You, you know, throw some red apocalyptic light through the side, give everybody an edge light and an eye light. What you don't see, the whole, like, Jaws theory, like, what you don't see is almost more terrifying or, you know, intriguing. So it was just about kind of hiding the flaws yeah, and using using what we did have available. And was the, the key light also these homemade LEDs? No, those were sky panels. Okay. Yeah, it was, like, full sodium or urban sodium, I think, was the color that was then tweaked in post by Brian to give that really rich red, red-orange. Yeah, and... Props to the little girl that uh, yeah. she was a trooper. The water was like really cold. Yeah, and you I can mean, re- you can see it in her face. Yeah, she was. Yeah. yeah, it's not acting when she's shivering in the in the video. <laughs> like it was cold. Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike, and her were in there, and <laughs> Mike was like, "Are she done? Did you get it? Can we get her out?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. She yeah. did great though. But yeah, yeah, so that was day one. Was the set breaking apart, and then the water water right. scene, all band performance. And that was, um, it was a 12-hour day. I mean, it was 14-hour day. 14-hour. You know, day two was day like two. 16, 17 hours. 
by the time I left the house and I was the last one to leave, yeah. it had been like 19 hours since I had gotten up. Mm-hmm. That was that was rough. It was a brutal one. Um, and day two was all storyline. We went to this house. Brad found great house um, and used six, seven rooms. Yeah, quite in a bit. Space. And the backyard. Backyard, the staircase, the, yeah, it was crazy. And it was just vignettes of how these people are dealing with the end of the world. Right. So like Brad was saying earlier, people are drinking, people are uh, crying, people are, you know, whatever. Yeah, young couple making out, um, a guy going in his backyard burying his dog just because he... You know, I don't know, what would you do if the world's about to end? He's just trying to give his dog, like, a proper burial. Yeah. and uh, Doesn't have to deal with the stress of it all. Right. So the entire thing with that is it had to match the performance in terms of transition of light. Yep. And that was the main challenge. The idea of, okay, in the beginning, it's kind of this naturalistic white world. And then at the end of it, it's right this 100% saturated apocalyptic red how do we go about so that trying to match that in all the different rooms with all the different actors the, the outside shots yeah um it was tough and we shot what alex two days of basically what should have been two days <laughs> of work days. in one day easily yeah it was rough yeah and so the band's there just for the first day right uh, they were there. They too. were there for the second day, um, just to kind of help. We needed, you know, around like thirty extras to be there, because it was like a party scene. Even though it's like morbid and some people are upset, um, so they were there kind of as extras and just to kind of see. They were curious what was going on, and uh, there was a small scene with Mike, the lead singer, where he's performing lines in kind of like a prayer circle. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they were there for day two as well. They were extras in it too. Yeah, just like off in the background, like so you can't tell it's them. But yeah, I used to love the show um, Pop Up Video. Oh like this. yeah, <laughs> this would be great for that. Yeah, I always a couple years ago. I love that show too. Um, I thought it would be cool to like do that for all my videos, just because there's so many interesting facts about things that happen, but. Mm. It would take way too long and nobody would care, but I think a lot of people would care, especially the people like in Slack and stuff that are wondering, okay, how, how do you first come up with this idea? And then how do you execute all the little tidbits are so valuable. Yeah. Like, oh, here you see the windows in the background. It's not actually daylight out. Alex put diffusion over the windows and blasted sky panels through and just blew out all the details. So you think it's noon, but it's really two in the morning. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there could be some good di- tidbits. Yeah. It was a tough one, though, but yeah, getting consistency, getting the, because we shot everything, it was all over the place. Like we shot one half of the mother-daughter scene in the kitchen earlier in the day with Kathleen, our talent, and then we had to come back four hours later and shoot the other half of the conversation. Yeah, dark out <laughs> it was dark out and so it's like oh okay how we have to mimic the light that was coming through and get it kind of quasi perfect and then brian evened it out in the color grade and made it match it's crazy yeah how yeah. many um what'd your crew look like well 
not the not the biggest crew. No. I mean, but we had we had you, we had uh, Victor and uh, Jake, our gaffer, Victor Beckhale, and um, uh, Shane on day one. So yeah, position wise, and then Justin was also gripping so, on that. Yeah. So di- okay. So position wise, let's see. We had Br- Brad directed. I DP'd. Thomas Semple was my first AC. Mikey Tell was second AC. Yep. Jake Lyon first a- or a gaffer. Um, key grip duties were split between Justin and Shane Bonnet and Victor Beckhale and Victor Beckhale. Yeah, they all kind of it was kind of like a combined grip electric yeah. unit. So G- Jake led the the pack, and then we had Victor Beckhale. Uh, Shane Bonnet, Justin Bonnet, and um, yeah, and Thomas, yeah. Was that it? Yeah. So there were there were as far as G and E each day, there were only three. Jake and Victor were on both days, and then Shane and Justin sw- swapped. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then Thomas and Mikey were both camera for both days. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's and then it. we there was some hair and makeup. Yeah, actually, Mike's wife Kara uh, yeah. was doing hair and makeup on the video. She did a great job, and then their stylist Marnie was there, which was very helpful because she outfitted all the talent. Yeah, and we had talked before the shoot, like kind of what we wanted everybody to look like, and um, so yeah, that worked out great. Especially the uh, Kathleen's wardrobe, I thought turned out really yeah. well. Yeah, as far as but like art direction and all that it was kind of just brad well we had right? erica erica stewart oh yeah yeah, yeah. no who, no she she did that yeah. she normally uh you on most her. of my music videos she does hair and makeup um but she's kind of always just there to help with other things and on this one she um, really i i was thinking more props on this one yeah but yeah she did she did some props she did some art direction um yeah yeah frequent collaborator though erica's great yeah um, but yeah, it was, it was not a big crew. It was not big at all. Like this could have been easily another day or two in twice the crew and still been challenging. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to get through. Would you think the biggest challenge was matching the light levels on the second day? The biggest challenge was that, uh, I, I think we didn't have a script supervisor. I think which really would have helped us as far as time code. Uh, well, the other issue was not knowing where everything was going to fit exactly into the edit. I think if we knew that and we had it hundred percent time coded out, then right. it still would have been challenging. It was like always programming that yeah. into the color and everything. It was always kind of like, yeah. Brad, where are we at in the story? When does this happen? Are we at yeah forty percent, sixty percent, and we got it close enough. Yeah. Yeah. That it was able to then be matched in the grade by Brian. But yeah, that, I think that was the toughest part. It was like, yeah, what, what kind of light are we living in? Right. And I was, think we had a few, you know, slip ups, but sure. nothing drastic that couldn't be fixed. Yeah. But uh, for the most part, I mean, we rocked it out. Yeah. Cool. It was good. But yeah, that, that, that was the toughest part is like, oh. Or fifty percent apocalypse light, or seventy five percent, or thirty percent, or zero. You know, getting the that base kind of oh general area that then can we know can be shifted one way or another. 
Frank, did you see who we brought back for the cameo? Did you watch long enough to see that? No, I didn't. I I, I am going to watch the whole thing. <laughs> Probably so, before this is released. Uh, the short film that Alex also shot, Eddie. Okay, yep. Eddie makes an appearance. The old nice. man. So you got to check it out. <laughs> yeah, so does the girl. Yeah. Alexis. Yep. Yeah, so the girl. I did see that that was repurposed into a music video, yeah. too. For the same band. Yeah. yeah. Um, they just love the short film, and they had this cover of Alanis Morissette's Uninvited that they did, and they asked me if they could, you know, if I would cut the music video or the short film into a music video for that, and uh, I did, and everybody seems to love it. And it worked out great. It's uh, people on YouTube are kind of surprised because it shows full frontal nudity, and like <laughs> and they you haven't don't, pulled it down, and you don't see a lot of that on YouTube, so. No, oh. people are always like, "What?" But it's artistic and has a point, and yeah. it's not graphic or. But know. yeah, that's that's what I love about working with Red Sun Rising is that they're like fearless. Like they will just do whatever artistically they feel inspired to do without. Yeah. They're artists. Yeah, it's it's not just about commerce for them. It's about what suits the song and the purpose. So, and that that helps on all fronts. You know, they they allow Brad to create these worlds and these ideas and then he allows me to kind of execute that so it's good yeah yep any other thoughts or takeaways from from this experience um it's just like for me it's like any other video now it's i really like it i'm proud of it there's just so many things i wish you know could have been better or which what are are, give it give a few of those examples what I mean, under the circumstances, I don't know that there's many, given the time and the budget and the fact that I'm only one human, that could have been better since I was also producing while I'm trying to direct and keep it in, you know, with the writing and all that. But um, I don't know. There's just always little things that kind of eat at you. I'm not sure if I can think of, is there any that you can think of off the top of your head? Off the top of my head. Here, I I got one. Um, Sure. So the dog in the music video, we had a custom dog tag made that says Benny on it. And that was kind of like a little shout out to one of the band's other songs that's called, well, it's not out yet, so I guess I won't say the name. Yeah, it's a reference. But the dog is called Benny. And, you know, we just didn't have enough time to get like a clear close-up shot of that. And I really wanted just to have a little moment of that in it. Obviously, we went through the trouble of having it made. And in the video, there's just never a shot of that. Yeah. So small yeah. things like that. I think, yeah, I think it's it's shots we didn't get or like are, are going to be the issues for us. Like shot. I, wanted, I, th- I wanted a shot of the, which I've expressed a few times, I wanted a shot of the exterior of the house. Right. And establishing kind of a. Which would have been great. Yeah, but we, we again, just time, like squeezing two, two day, at least two days of work into one yeah. or, or like day. the shot of Mike in the prayer circle. Yep. We had the and shoot was over. We had no time left to get a wide of the prayer. Cir- We're always inside the prayer circle. We never see outside yeah. the prayer circle. I wish we could have gotten more party shots in general. Yeah. Um, but you can only do so much, you yeah. know, yeah. working within restrictions. I think, you know, th- despite that we, uh, created something cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I would agree. Yeah. yeah, you would agree with the limited amount that you've yes. seen. 
but um <laughs> kidding there's actually another one uh that i did for them yeah um which, which was, was way different yeah it was cool they i didn't shoot any of it yeah i know you didn't hire me i know you fired me for this well one. there's no job available for it yeah because uh they have a new song they're putting out called fascination which is a really cool kind of experimental song and yeah. um What's cool about that, I'll explain the concept in a minute, but they're actually uh, releasing it on my Vimeo channel, which yeah. is unusual because normally the label wants to make the money on their YouTube channel. and um, Which is an honor. Yeah, they just kind of want to go the artistic route, maybe reach a new audience with it, um, mm. You know, see if we can get that not-going-to-happen staff pick from Vimeo. <laughs> um, but the concept... Don't knock it until it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. The concept, uh, we were just kind of going back and forth on ideas, and somebody had sent in an email this old film from 1902 called A Trip to the Moon. It's like black and white, like, Mm -hmm. looks really weird, like otherworldly, because it was made so long ago. The Melies? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I just, I was trying to figure out ways that we could kind of shoot something that was similar, or like inspired by it, but... Every time I did, it was just, it was so costly. And I thought, this is, why don't we just use this film? It's in the public domain. Like, there's no copyright. You can use it if you want to. And I'll just cut it. It's a 12 minute film. I'll just cut it to the track, mm-hmm. which is five minutes. And uh, I did that and it just, it worked perfectly with it. So um, that's coming out or is out at this moment uh, on my Vimeo channel, which you can just, Go to Vimeo, type Brad Gollum, and you'll find it. Um, but yeah, that one, it turned out really cool. I think it's great. I think it's appropriate for the track and the intrigue. Yeah. Fascination. Yeah. So we'll see what people think. It's not exactly like a music video per se. It's more of a, a visual It's like an art piece. Video. Yeah. yeah. I think a, but I think people will like it. Yeah. That's cool. I'm, I'm glad that you've done so much with this band. You've you kind of retained this relationship and this friendship, and they're allowing you to push the boundary, which is nice. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, more to come. Definitely more to come. In in Good. the talks right now, actually. Good. <laughs> Good. That's that's what I personally want to hear. Yeah. And I'm sure our viewers too, or listeners too, because you'll get more breakdowns and you'll get more visits from Brad. And more little tidbits and nuggets. Yep. And if you want more of Brad, you can always check out his last episode, uh, episode 75, uh, visiting, I'm going to butcher the name, Auschwitz. Auschwitz? Yeah. Auschwitz. Yep. Auschwitz. Yep. And yeah. then also he was on episode back, way back, oh, episode God. 11, I was Whiskey a different, Business. I was a different human back then. <laughs> Don't go listen to that. Whiskey. Is that where you brought uh, beer instead of whiskey? Well, not just any beer. It she- was a bourbon barrel-aged, oaked oatmeal, yeah. delicious stout. It was. looked like oil. And speaking of not bourbon, this brandy has been really good. good. So instead of FDB filmmakers drinking <laughs> bourbon, I think every once in a while we can be FDB filmmakers yeah. drinking It should FDBP, brandy. filmmakers drinking bourbon products. Whenever so. whenever I'm on, yeah. apparently. Yeah. So You just you mess us up. Anyway, Brad, thank you for uh, coming on. Frank? Yep. Ready to go? I am ready. All right. Cool. Thanks for having me. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. This podcast is produced by Frank Steele and recorded live at Gwyn Sound Studio. Find out more at gwynsound.com.